Have you been hitting the books and listening to lectures all day? It's time to relax, to unwind, and listen up. This is Brooke from Campus Chronicles, your go-to podcast for everything student life. No matter where you are in your academic journey, we have you covered. Think of us as a trusted mentor, friend, and confidant who always has your back. We'll be sharing inspiring stories, thought-provoking insights, and practical advice to help you succeed in and out of the classroom. So get ready to be inspired, enlightened, and entertained. Hello, hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you to the amazing guest that we have today. His name is Rick Yee, and he is from Warrior's Way Mindset. Thank you so much for being with me here today. It's an honor, Brooke. Thank you. I just really want to jump in. What is a Warrior Way Mindset, and how does it differ from what you see in the world generally? That's a good question. Um, right now, there's a lot of people who want to share information. Check out my content. Check out my content. Check out my information. The Warrior's Way Mindset focuses far more on transformation than information. It's not about just watch the content. While it's good and our stuff works, and I only have anything for every single step that we talk about is a practice, it's a skill, and we have to do the work to improve. Uh, so there is no wasted time in our training. Even the Warrior's Way training uh, boot camp is 14 weeks just to start. And oftentimes it goes over because we're so thorough. So we focus on transformation, not just information. We do the deep work. We rip out belief systems that do not belong to you. We find your authenticity. And even the first five weeks is just know thyself before I teach you how to fight the enemies within, which is doubt, fear, distractions, excuses, uh, anger, depression, denial, bargaining, anxiety. I'll teach you how to beat all of them because they all have a weakness. And so I train people to be warriors to fight in the battlefield of the mind. It's the toughest fight there is. It is the toughest fight. I think as, a, as someone who falls on the younger end of the spectrum, it's easy to justify and easy to say, I'm going to fight this in five years or I'm going to fight this in 10 years. And I know that we're talking to people that are younger right now for a younger person getting involved in this conversation and getting involved in fighting their own fear and insecurity and problems, what advice do you have and how did you get started? When did you get started in fighting yours? All right, I'll start backwards and then we'll, the, we'll work to the front. All right, so how did I uh, get to where I am? I grew up in a place that I call Sparta. I grew up in, a, in a, not a good part in Detroit. Uh, so it's not a healthy, happy environment. Um, if you ever watched the movie Eight Mile, I grew up on Eight Mile. And so this wasn't a fun place. You know, I didn't get, I also wasn't the one who was going to lose myself in the music the moment you heard it. I don't, I don't, I wasn't rapping and doing rap battles. Did you throw an Eminem reference out? That's exactly what I did. Yes. Well, you had one shot, you know, one opportunity. But in any case, I grew up in a not very nice environment. And so when I grew up in Sparta, and this goes from anybody who I've talked to who has had abusive homes, uh, I've had every type of abuse that you can have, I was able to check off everything from abandonment, uh, physical, emotional phys like abuse. Um, we had to go through addictions. Uh, we had a lot of stuff that we had to go through. The only thing I can't mark in for myself personally was sexual abuse. And, you know, maybe if there's a repression I haven't gotten to yet, I don't know. So other than that, I should be an insane person. And we've, I've done a lot of work uh, just in myself and working with others to find what are the best practices to break the curses that are put on us from our families. And breaking generational curses is one of the main things that we do in the Warriors Way because 
many people are trying to read the books, but not a lot of people have come from hell. And so if you grew up there, it's a lot easier to go, I know where you're at, so I'm coming to get you. And that's the difference on this is uh, a lot of the education that I've gotten afterwards is going to be like, you know, reading books, getting certifications and those things. But the best coaches and the best teachers I've seen are the ones who grew up in hard knocks, the ones who have been there. So there's a lot of that. I've been doing this now for over a decade professionally. I built uh, multiple versions of what this is and it's evolved over time. I've built tools that I've run through by multiple psychologists, authors, and coaches. And they're like, these are the best tools I've seen so far. And uh, there's some pretty cool stuff that we've done. Now, the next part to it is how do I apply this to a younger generation? And how do we take this stuff and make it so that we can help out some of the younger people? There's rules that we have in the warrior's way. This is called the creed. There's seven different rules. And I'll probably bring up different ones that come in here. There's a couple things if I were to give the younger generation some tools to practice, the first one would start with an awareness of things. Awareness is an actual skill. This isn't something you're born with or don't have. And this goes outside and inside. Did you recognize that or did you know that? Uh, one of the tools that I want to leave with you guys just to start off with is what I call the Epictetus compass. I use this to find people for where they are. Epictetus was a Stoic philosopher. And so he was big in Stoicism. The quote that he had was a little more, uh, you know, doesn't define a man. So let's make it a little more, you know, gender neutral. The quote I use the most is that your circumstances do not define you. They reveal you to yourself. So the way that you just handle that or how you treated somebody or the way that you just responded or reacted, that's who you are. That's you. And a lot of times we don't have the awareness of I am that. And they'll go like, hey, you just lied about that person or you just said one thing to them and another to another person, or you just betrayed that person, or you just, you know, abandoned that entire thing, or you, you know, lashed out and beat that person up. And like, the reality is, is you're a liar, or you're two-faced, or you're a betrayer, or you're, you know, a rage monster or an abusive person. And being able to go like, it's not about what happened, it's how you're handling what happens that shows you who you are. The beauty of this type of awareness makes it so you don't get to go into justifications and excuses. I can go, that's who I am. And then you reveal choice. Well, you don't have to be. You can stop doing that now that you see it. You can decide to be different. You can decide to evolve from there. And people will make a justification. They're like, yeah, well, because somebody did it to me, it's okay. Or yeah, well, they deserved it. And we start going against the golden rule. I can treat them in a way I'd never want to be treated with impunity, fully okay. The recognition there is, if you look at it, people really do struggle with the truth and we don't challenge anything. We should challenge ourselves. And that's one of the rules in the warrior's way. The last one is challenge everything. Ask questions. Why? Have you ever seen i I've seen a three-year-old win debates on grownups with why. I have seen the, them lose the argument. They're not ashamed, right, to ask the question. And that's where some of our older people and our adults, we fall off because we get ashamed and we won't be curious anymore. Correctamundo. This comes to the second part. The second rule is no blame, no shame, no judgment. Count the judgments. This is how people are manipulating and controlling people these days. You're good. You're bad. You're skinny. You're fat. You're tall. You're short. You're right. You're wrong. You're left. You're right. You're good, you're bad for this thing, that thing. We judge everybody. Everyone's judging everybody. Everyone's trying to be the authority of what is good and bad. That's what we are. 
Now, the thing is, is we are social creatures. We want to fit in. And so a judgment can easily be a manipulative way to make it so you feel out of place. If I said, oh, you're wearing pink to this? Oh, uh, uh, you're good. I thought this was supposed to be some sort of an intelligent podcast. I just threw a couple judgments just out of nowhere. I just made up judgments. I just made accusational opinions up. No research, no questions, no anything. I just made up a color equals bad. Next time when you're picking out a shirt, you'll go, eh, eh, don't wear the pink. That's right. And these subtle things for that judgment starts changing who you are because you start adjusting yourself to fit in to where you want to belong. This is really, really difficult for that concept of being able to be authentic, be true to yourself, know thyself, because how much of yourself do you compromise to make sure you fit in with somebody else? And it seems like there doesn't have a heavy limit or boundaries for most people, especially young, because getting exiled, especially ladies, exiled from a group, kicked out, not invited, it's causing massive psychological damage because women aren't doing that well at this level of rejection. And it's sad and it's hard. And I love what you said about social creatures because we are, and for women, and I've even done a lot of studies on this myself, we are even more social than men. Not to say that men aren't social, but we're very, very birds of a feather flock together type of people. And if you don't have the same belief system or the same values, or the same integrity, what are you going to do? That's why women rank higher in agreeableness. Like, oh my God, she is so, uh, and you're like, yeah, you know, she, yeah, okay. Yeah, she's not, not the greatest, sure. Instead of going like, don't tear people down. <laughs> like you won't stand against her. Now guys are less agreeable. So like, what are you dogging on her for? Like, what are you putting her down? Like, we'll be, we'll be less agreeable. I love these distinctions that you're making too between men and women. Because one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on this podcast, Rick, is we don't have as much male representation talking about self-compassion, authenticity, you know, treating others with kindness and respect. We don't get these male leadership and these male voices in this space. And it's something that even I am learning so much from you as a female. And I can't discount the power of having a man lay this out in this way for us to listen to. Yeah. Well, in that case, hit me with some hard questions, Brooke. What is something if like, I want the guy who speaks for the men. And I got a question. This is what us ladies are like, what's up with these guys? Give me a good one. I think, you know, I was liking that you were talking about the differences between the ways that men and women approach groups and containers. That's so true for college too. I think that men and women come in with different wants, with different social needs, with different expectations. Where do you think, because we see a lot of negative press around younger people and TikTok and those platforms. How do you think that young men are being poorly represented? Because I think that's a big problem. When you are represented poorly, like you're some sort of, you know, monster or, you know, you only want certain things. We all know what I'm talking about. How do you think that impacts? First off, what are guys loved for? I mean, in my opinion, I'm just going to throw it out. I feel very safe. We're protectors, right? What else are guys loved for? Honesty, in my opinion. Oh, okay. Okay, what's honesty? Because everyone's a liar. So tell me what honesty is. You're not honest. I'm not honest. Everyone lies. Everybody lies. They're a little more open. You know what I mean? To share their opinions and their belief systems. Okay, so they're open with you or you can be open with them without them judging you. I think vice versa. I think both. We like to think so. 
Okay, so I'll, I'll challenge that because my next book goes really deep on what is truth. All right, so the first one's indifferent. This one goes, mm, <laughs> this one's hard. Okay, so what are guys loved for? If you'll notice, if you probably start going down this list, it's very, 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 very unlikely on the list is going to be for who they are. He just saw my eyes bug out. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be on your list. I've done, I've done surveys with the women. I had like an 85 like point list and not one thing for what's a guy love for was for who he is. It's for what we provide. It's for what we can give. It's for what we will bring to the table. Could you imagine going on a date and going like, hey, Brooke, oh God, thanks for waiting up for me. I already picked out a place we're going to live. It's going to be really nice. Uh, it's going to be near my parents. So that'll be cool. And you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know anything about you yet. And I'm like, oh my God, just love me for who I am. What are we doing? Could you imagine? Right. No, that no second date for you. That's. Well, tell me when they come, when a woman comes in thinking they're the interviewer, what are they bringing to the table? This is where like, this is, there's a, there's a switch that happens during this college time. There's a switch that happens that we don't talk about from teenager to adult. It's during this time where this impact and who I am starts getting really fuzzy. So let's hear it. Like from your age range right now, what do you bring to the table? I, I like to think that I'm a nurturing person. A lot of people call me very intuitive. Rick, it's pretty scary. I can always text someone when I, when I know they need it. So intuitive. I like to believe that I'm fun. I really do. All right. So far we got fun, intuitive, and we got nurturing. How do I measure these to know you got a lot or a little, like it's good or bad? How do I go like, this one's really great because they have a lot of nurturing, a lot of fun. I would traditionally say the way someone makes you feel, but I think you're going to, I think you're going to, you're going to jockey me on that one there. I don't know. Maybe let's let, I'm not calling you wrong. Let's just see what we got. You know, we're not, we're not judging yet. We're just going, what is it? What do we have? Right. And so I don't have a measurement tool to go like, Oh, Brooke is level eight on this. And she's a six on this and a 10 on this because six, eight and 10 of what we don't have a tool. There's no unit of measurement. I just make up a feeling and that's what her number I just made up is. So I don't even have any scale here. I just have to go off of a feeling. I like how Brooke makes me feel now. If this is where women are in a struggle, where guys are in a struggle too, is women not only have burden of beauty, fair enough, right? Yeah. And usually harder on each other than guys are on you. Okay. So burden of beauty has been there for a while, still there, but now women have burden of performance. Now you got to compete too. Now you got to go with the wolves and you got to get what your degree, you have to be in your career. You have to be focused on providing also, which is very interesting times. Now, as a guy, how valuable does your career and your provisions do you think rank on a man's dating system? I think they rank extremely low. Yeah. And yet, what is all the focus for women being put on? Career. So that means your value when it comes to the date. I have a PhD or I run a business or I have money or I have this. And we're like, none of those. You're not giving any of those to me. Could you imagine if you did well in your career and on the date, I was like, so what's my cut? And that, that'd be a little strange. And let me tell you, Rick, I heard this a month ago. I don't understand what you do. And I said, that's okay. You don't have to. And he was someone that was very interested in me. He's like, I really don't get your types of businesses. I said, that's okay. Because it didn't matter to him. And it is nothing that you are going to be providing for him because your job for us isn't provider. And your job for us also isn't protection. And so women go like, I bring all of these things to the table that guys are like, 
that does, it's not on my list of things that I require from somebody else. Well, now you're seeing, this is an interesting statistic for the women in college growing up. It's the first time in humanity that there are more women over 30 without children than women under 30 with children. The first time in human history is in our life. There's something happening where now you're seeing a lot more older women who are career focused, who do not have the skills to even vet a man. So they don't even know what they're bringing to the table. And guys don't know what we're supposed to be doing with that. Now let's go back to the boys. Now, remember, love me for who I am, not on the list. We don't get that. But women still have love me for who I am. So if you're on a date with a guy, you're going to be like, what's your career focus? What's your five-year plan? What's your family life look like? What is it, you know, what's your relationship with your mother? Like, what are, you're going to start going like, I'm, I'm looking and vetting all of these things for my own gain. Would you be a good father? Would you be a good, uh, you know, a loyal man? Like, I'm going to go in and like, who, what are you giving me? What do you get? How much money are you going to make? Are you going to be a doctor, a musician? Are you going to be what? I'm watching. And now I'm rating you based on your potential, especially college guys. Not one thing comes up about what kind of guy are you? And so like, we're not talking about that. We're going to talk about what projected possible potential do you have? And then I'll base it off of that. Oh, I play sports. I'm an athlete. I'm going to be big time one day, whatever it is. It's all potential though, because you're not doing shit. So we can't measure off of that. So this is where the whole thing for guys too gets tricky. You went from being loved for being a boy to transition to, you're not loved for being a boy. You're loved for being whatever you provide. I don't have a business I run. I don't even have a car. I don't have anything yet. And so what do the girls do, Brooke? What do girls do? Sometimes we, we judge and sometimes we try to social climb. So who do you date then? I dated older guys. You date older guys. Yes, older guys. Shit college guys. Damn it. How are you supposed to compete with that? Dang it. I don't have my business. I don't have a house. I don't have my car. I don't have status. I don't have safety, security. I don't have all my shit together. I'm still getting into my career. I didn't even graduate yet. How am I supposed to compete with that? And that's demotivating. And then also being a young guy, listen, you got to hump everybody. And so that's really difficult because you want loyalty. You want commitment. I want a guy who's not going to try and sleep with all my friends. I want a guy who's got some damn morals under his belt, has some principles. Give me a guy who's not going to try and just use me and then abuse me and then throw me in the garbage because he can't appreciate me for being the, the nurturer, the person who's got a great intuition and looks out for them, the person who can have your back in the tough day and the person who can make you laugh. You won't appreciate that. You'll use that. And then you'll try and find somebody else who's got a pretty face. So no wonder you're dating up because older guys are like, no, I'm not playing that game anymore. Did it? Done it. Don't want to do it. You're my girl. I'm good with it. I don't need to play the field. Field sucks. It's exhausting. I'm not playing. And so we have to focus so hard on provision and not who we are. This leads us to one of the biggest issues that we're running into with society. Judgment is one of the big ones. And there's because there's two things that people aren't doing. First was challenge everything. We're not thinking. We're not asking to understand. We're not listening. That's a Carl Jung quote that I've actually, I've added a piece to, which is the second part. Carl Jung quote is, thinking is hard, so people judge instead. We don't ask why, and I'm not seeking to understand. And I don't find it interesting because I'm having my own judgments and opinions. And so anything that you say will just be 
straw man argument where I just create your intent and I create what I believe you're trying to do and I make up what your thoughts would be and what I wouldn't want you to do. And now you have to defend yourself because I just made up all your shit for you. Here's a fun fact before I get to the second piece. Did you know that women are cheating more than men these days? I actually read that. I was absolutely shocked. You know what's funny? Is they don't call it cheating though. He just wasn't meeting my needs. Denial is the main curse for the ladies. Yeah. Well, I'm proud to say live on this podcast, I've never done that. So I'm proud of myself. Good job. And let's just keep it without a yet on there. Yeah. I've never done that. Let's not put a yet. Let's not do that. No yet. No yet. This goes to the second part. You want to know what the real struggle is with men? Like from these guys? Here's the hard one. Empathy. Notice that women aren't putting empathy on the table for men. How often do you see anybody care about a man's feelings? Not well-being. Feelings. I'm proud to say in the past I didn't. But more recently, past two years, I've actually been prioritizing it for even my male friends. And it's been a game changer in the type of conversations I can have. Friends is different. Friends that you can, you can do it for friends. It's partners that get omitted. Partners get omitted. It turns into well-being and not empathy. I did a survey with over 100 guys. I stopped at 100 because it was the same answer every single time. I said, do your feelings matter to you? And every guy was a yes. My feelings are important to me. And I said, do you feel like your spouse or girlfriend or fiance, do you feel like your feelings matter to her? 97 out of 100 said, no, my feelings don't matter at all. Well-being, did you have your lunch made? Did you get coffee? Did I wash your clothes? Those are things that are, those are well-being. That's not a feeling. Not one of those is an emotion. I don't care about his feelings because I'm not loving him for him. I'm loving him for what he gives or what he provides. So guys are focused only on what? Wealth, status, power. We're not looking at humanity as humans anymore. Now, here's the uh, caveat. The three guys that said, um, yeah, I absolutely like she loves me for my feelings. Uh, two of those guys were in the honeymoon phase and they all broke up. And uh, one guy, they just got divorced. Well, he realized he was in a loveless relationship and was in denial. And that means I have 100% of no empathy for men. Now, the last question was, would you like her to have empathy for you? Would you like your feelings to matter? And they all said yes. Ladies, that means there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for you to look at your man, not as something that you get from, but something that you guys can receive from each other. You can care about that guy's heart. And I'll tell you right now, I don't like to be cynical. I don't like it. I don't like to write cynical. I'll write real, but I don't like to be cynical. But there is a, a degree of awareness that we have to have. It seems like being a guy with a big loving heart these days seems like a waste. There's not enough people who give a shit about that boy's heart. Now, who's suffering the most is these, guys, these boys growing up, the guys in your age. They're suffering because they're growing up with the one thing you've noticed, which is shame. Shame for being a guy because there were bad guys. No question. There's some bad guys out there. There's guys that do not, they wouldn't like me because they don't fit in our group because we have accountability. There's bad guys out there. There are. They don't, they're not men. They're just, those are guys. Those are just dudes out there. They're not one of us. But the minority gets spoken up as the majority. But that's not the majority. The very interesting point as someone that has, I've been bashed. I had a very violent, um, very abusive stalker for two years. And that does change your perception. It changes how you feel. And unfortunately, a lot of stalking and whatnot starts to happen around this age. And so it can paint a very bad color, a very bad picture. How many guys there didn't stalk you? Millions. 
Yeah, but we don't, we count off of the one in millions and that's what all of them are. You created a belief system that because this one guy caused you so much distress, that's what guys do. But like, you know, you've even done, if you do any study on this and you have you confronted hard by some guy in public, I guarantee you it's a guy who takes, like, takes that guy off. Why? Because a majority of us aren't assholes. We're just, we're just treated like that. And a lot of girls these days have the illusion of options thinking there's a million guys just waiting, lining up for them. So they treat guys like trash because they don't have the, what the social skills to be like, yo, check out my sweet moves. I'm a player. You want to go on a date? And you're like, that's what I have to be in order for you to say yes. Why can't I be authentic or genuine? Why can't I actually care about what you have going on? Why can't I be interested in the things that make you happy? Oh no, I gotta be cool, right? What are we measuring this stuff on? So these boys, listen, I'm with you guys. How am I supposed to know what the hell I'm supposed to do? The scale is constantly sliding. Your women are, or the girls are choosing bad guys and then calling all of us that when the majority isn't that. And so guys aren't playing. Now this goes over to the other, other thing. This goes into the vices. This goes into the reasons why we don't have to play. You're a girl, Brooke. If you post a bikini picture, will you get attention? Yes, and gratefully I don't. No, no, but would you? Could you, you know that like if you want attention, you are one underwear picture away from a whole lot of comments. Correct. No problemo. All of a sudden, out of the woodwork, men you've never even heard of are like, you're so beautiful, you're so hot. You can get 10,000 likes, 10,000 comments. How does any guy compete with 10,000 confirmations of beauty how can any guy compete like even you're with the best guy and you're getting attention from thousands and thousands of people validating you how does any one person compete with thousands to millions of people yeah i want to know how we fix this rick because we're getting down in the cynical valley here and this is something where there has to be an awareness of the Epictetus compass the circumstances that's not who you are but they are revealing you to yourself. Do you see who you really are? Do you see how you operate? Are you able to challenge yourself to go, damn it, I'm that person. Those are my vices. This is my addiction. This is the thing that I'm stuck into. This is the thing I won't quit. This is my dopamine rush. But this means we have to have a high level of denial for what is. And in order to feel better and not have to feel bad for not being that guy who gets the girl or having status or having the ability to be able to get your attention, I'm going to go into some sort of a vice. I'm going to pick one. I need something to make me feel better, whether it's numb with alcohol or it's going to be, you know, like a dopamine rush from porn, or I'm going to go into, you know, hey, let's go with the ladies. Let's go shopping online or let's go ahead and get into social media attention. And let, hey, listen, there's all kinds of vices. You pick it. You can get into drugs. You can get into everything. I got lists of stuff. Attention is an addiction. And so here we are. We have to fight this. First, you have to raise your awareness of yourself. And most people are not able to have the courage to go, that's who I really am. And is that who I want to be? We're not challenging our authenticity anymore. We go with whatever's available. Is this making us stronger or weaker? What happens when people are no longer interested in procreating? Not interested in asking somebody out or taking a risk to see if love can be a thing or if the illusion 
where it turns into I'm with you only because you look good. Well, that means I'm always going to be looking for what looks good. And if you're with a guy only because he's got money or he gives you things, you'll always be looking for the next level of things. So our entire relationships now become transactional with this type of system. Pay attention to the people you're with. Get curious. And this gets down to the last part where empathy wasn't there. Judgments are killing us all. It's ruining all of us. Gossip and, and betrayal and all these things. You're good, you're bad. Brutal. Comparison curses are there. So then, and not asking questions and not challenging. So the Carl Jung quote that I would improve on is thinking and empathy are hard. And that's why people judge instead. We're not doing introspection. So this is where I would say, where are we starting? Epictetus and Carl Jung. That's where I would start. You're revealing you to yourself. And instead of being able to have the accountability to ask questions, to understand, or try and be empathetic to what somebody's going through, I judge you and tell you you're bad. Your shirt's not the color I like. I don't like hair like that. Your shoes don't match. That doesn't go with this. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too tall. You're too whatever. You should do this. You should do that. You're not supposed to do that. We're all just controlling each other these days with judgments, blame, shame, and guilt. Let's, let's raise our awareness so we stop treating each other like we don't want to be treated. It's a good start, right? That'd be nice. Be nice. I'll just treat you. Yeah, do you like somebody abusing you? Well, then let's not be abusive to people. Do you like when people steal your things? Well, let's just not take people's stuff then. Do you like when somebody uses you and throws you away like garbage? Well, let's not do that to each other. I don't like that. Let's... It starts off with the simplicity of being able to have awareness of you're that person who does those things. Oh, my goodness. Wow, this has been riveting. I have a question for you. It's not going to be as hard as what I've been hitting you with. What is, what is the one piece of advice or the one thing you want people to take out of this conversation? Because it's one of those conversations that you might fight against the first time you hear it, right? When we're confronted with hard truths like this, we don't always love it. It's not comfortable. It's not sexy. It's not always fun. But what's the one little golden nugget of truth that you hope someone can take away even if they can only retain one little nugget of truth at this time and have to revisit some of this. Here's a, the, if I was going to give a moment of actual truth here, people can't actually handle the truth. You know this, right? This is why people omit. People tell, they keep their secrets. This is why people don't share openly. People can't handle it. We don't have radical acceptance. And so we can't have radical truth. And so without that, what I would start off with is if you're going to argue right and wrong, you're already wrong. I would lean really hard. If you're going to have any damn hope in this world, get humble. Humble. Be humility. Start off with you're not right. In fact, Socrates, even one of the ways that he would argue is like, I know nothing because with how much information there is to know in the ocean of information, you barely have a bucket. And you're going to tell me you're right when you don't know even 1% of how much there is to know. In fact, the majority of what you don't know, you don't know. You don't know. You have no idea, even the category you don't even know about. A majority of what there is to know, you don't know. And there's a big part you know you don't know. Like, I, I know there's stars. I don't know what the names of all of them are. I know there's bacteria, but I don't know what they all are. And I know there's fungi. There's millions and billions of them. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of bugs, but I don't know what they all are. I know I don't know that. But how many things do I not even know I don't know? Stay humble. Be open. Listen to understand. And quit tearing people down because 
you need to feel more important by tearing somebody else down. Stay humble. Wow. I love that. Good job, Rick. I got to give him a little clap out here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Rick, thank you for joining me. I've learned so much more than I thought I was going to learn today. I'm glad that I broke through the initial expectations. <laughs> thank you for joining me on Campus Chronicles. I hope you found our discussion informative, inspiring, entertaining, and fun. We are always working hard to make sure that our episodes are the very best they can be, which means we need your help. If you liked what you heard, remember to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us to connect with more students who are hungry for success. And remember, the journey never stops. Keep listening, keep learning, keep growing. See you next week for another amazing episode of Campus Chronicles.